Welcome to the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. We're getting ready to have an old-fashioned line-on-line, precept-on-precept study of God's Word to search out those deeper truths and gain a greater understanding of the Bible. We would love for you to join us today as we dig in and learn what it is God would truly have us to know from the letter that He wrote to us. Hello and God bless you. Welcome into the study today. We're going to be covering the book of Hosea and picking it up in chapter 6, verse 1 today. Now, in our last study, we saw God said, my people die for a lack of knowledge. What is this death? It means that they're going around and they're worshiping this thing and they're worshiping that thing and they're never getting into the word of God to know what he would want. And to understand those things that he tells us in his word that please him. And if we're not pleasing him, we're not really doing a good job. As it says in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, the last verse of Revelation chapter 4, he created all things for his pleasure. As we get into this sixth chapter today, we're going to see what it takes to please God. And it's real simple. Let's go ahead and jump right into it. We ask for clarity and understanding from our Father in Jesus' name. Hosea chapter 6, verse 1. Come and let us return to the Lord, for he hath torn, and he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. So what's happened is Israel has messed around with idolatry, idolatry, with all these little idols, all these false gods, and put everything else before God, and their blessings have started being taken away from them. And they're waking up. They're saying, hold on. We got to get back to God. Let's let's get in this word and let's turn because he will bless us. Verse 2. After 2 days will he revive us. In the 3rd day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Now this is looking forward to those 3 days that the two witnesses are slain and they're laying out in the in the arena in the pata in the Greek and That's the last three days of the Antichrist reign. And then in that third day, they are risen up and everybody can see them. And it scares everybody because as they're rising up and they're going into heaven, the reason why we can see them is because at that point, the seventh trump has sounded and instantly we're in our spiritual bodies. And that means the true Christ is coming down to go ahead and reclaim this world. Not as a babe born in swaddling clothes, but as a king with a rod of iron. Verse 3. Then shall we know, if we follow on to know the Lord, his going forth is prepared as the morning, and he shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and the former rain unto the earth. With this, his going forth is prepared as the morning, it's basically saying, hey, as sure as the sun rises in the morning, That's the way God's path is prepared. It's going to happen. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If he says it, it will happen. In this former and the latter rain, whenever you sow a crop, say you're planting corn, you get that former rain, which is that first initial rain that goes in there and basically gets everything going, Gets gets the seed broke open and the little sprout to come up and everything. And then once it gets grown and starts maturing, you get that latter rain. And that latter rain puts the fruit on it. 
excuse me. So if we're talking spiritually here, you get that former rain, which is you receive this word. You understand that John chapter 316, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever shall believe upon him shall not perish, but receive everlasting life. And that everlasting means from all the way back from when our souls were created in the first world age, all the way through everlasting, the eternity. And once you receive that, then it's time to mature. As Paul would say, you give, you, you, you give milk to the babes, but as the, as the babes mature, they need the meat. They need the deeper knowledge of the word to draw closer to God and to understand what his plan is so that we're prepared for the things that are to come. A lot of people aren't too worried about the preparedness. But even Paul in the gospel armor in Ephesians chapter 6 said, have your feet shod with preparedness. I mean, study this. Learn what is to come. That way, when you see these things start happening, you know the season. You know it's getting close. Verse 4. O Ephraim, what shall I do unto thee? O Judah, what shall I do unto thee? For your goodness is as a morning cloud, and as the early dew, it goeth away. Now remember, anytime you see this Ephraim, that was the capital city of the ten northern tribes. It's the biggest city. And so that's it's saying, oh, you ten northern tribes that broke away. And then, oh, Judah, that means Judah and Benjamin in the south. Their goodness is as a morning cloud. They're good right up until a little heat's put on them. Right until they get a little bit of pressure. And then they fold. They turn their back on God. They, they basically, things don't go their way and they blame God. And you know, I believe it's in Jeremiah chapter 23. I believe it's 23. Let me turn over there right quick. Just to make sure that I remember this correctly. But I believe it's in Jeremiah chapter 23. Just a moment. 23, and where is it? Right here. 23, Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 33. And when this people, or the prophet, or a priest, shall ask thee, saying, What is the burden of the Lord? Thou shalt then say unto them, What burden? I will even forsake you, saith the Lord. What it's saying is, what, what burden has God put on us today? Why has God done this to us? Poor me, poor, poor, pitiful me. And God's saying, you do that, you blame me for this stuff, that's fine. I'll forsake you. Verse 5, therefore have I hewn them by the prophets. I have slain them by the words of my mouth. What comes out of his mouth? It's that sharp two-edged sword that cuts both ways. And thy judgments are as the light that goeth forth. Now, you want to know how to please God? All things are created for his pleasure. This is what we do right here. Verse 6. Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. is a very important verse to remember. For I, this being God, desire mercy and not sacrifice. He wants your love. He don't want you to throw money at him. For what? He don't need money. He don't want you to throw all these offerings and all these sacrifices at him. For what? He owns everything. The one thing he don't own and then he can't control is your love, your mercy. And it goes on to say, 
and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. He wants you to love him and he wants you to dig into his word and learn more about him. Why would that be? The more we learn about him, the more we can love him. You know, it's hard to love something that you don't understand. And the more that you search out that knowledge of God, the more you understand him. And the deeper that relationship will grow. That's what he wants from us. Love and to know about him. And if you're doing that, you are pleasing to God. Verse 7. But they, like men, have transgressed the covenant. There have they dealt treacherously against me. Now what is this? There they have started false religions. It looks so holy. Oh, it sounds so holy. It feels so holy. Oh, you know, it just, just go with it. It just feels so holy and we're dressed just right and we're talking real good, but not really ever getting in the Bible. Oh, but this man said this and this man said that. Don't trust man. Don't trust me or any other man. Look it up in your father's word, in this word. That's where the trust should come from. It's a shame to trust a flesh man with your own everlasting life. Matter of fact, again in Jeremiah, God says, cursed is the man who puts his trust or his faith in man. We shouldn't have faith in men as far as preserving our soul. That comes only through faith in God. Verse 8, Gilead is a city of them that work iniquity and is polluted with blood. This is very important to get what this Gilead is. Gilead is a city of priests. And they're working iniquity and polluting it with blood? What is this blood? It's they're in there acting so holy, pretending, and they might even believe they're being holy. But they're polluting the word of God. They're putting the traditions of man in it. Oh, you don't have to read. You don't have to know the Bible. It's okay. We're going to fly away. One of these days, just be a good person. Just know that Christ died on the cross for you. And, you know, try to do what's right. Every once in a while, repent. But it'll be okay. We're going to fly away, and we're going to leave the other sinners down here, and they just have to fend for themselves. Nowhere in the Word of God does it say that. But people will jump to it real quick. Another one, talk about doctrines of man that come in. Easter. There's one time in the New Testament where Easter is used, and it's a mistranslation. In the Greek, it is Paschal, which is Passover. But that one little slip, that one mistranslation, and the flesh wants to jump all over it. And, oh, man, we're going to jump in there and start. Ever wonder where Easter bunny and eggs? How does that have anything to do with the resurrection of Christ after Passover. It don't. It's a pagan fertility ritual where they used to run in the groves and quick like a bunny and go around and, and hippity hop and roll their eggs of fertility. It's polluted the word of God. People want to really jump on this thing or that thing when the whole time... You know, they look in the mirror 
there's a few things that have crept in. You just got to be aware and stay in this word. Verse 9, And as troops of robbers wait for a man, so the company of priests murder in the way by consent, for they commit lewdness. This lewdness is idolatry. And this company of robbers, the, the, the murder that they're doing, it's not a physical murder. They're not killing the flesh, but they're slaying the spirit. Because for someone to take this corruptness and believe it as truth, for them to think, oh, one of these days, I don't need to really dig into the Bible. One of these days, I'm going to fly away. I'm going to be out of here. I just have faith. I don't really have to have knowledge as long as I have faith. And one of these days, the Antichrist is going to show up. He will return at the sixth trump before Christ. And they're going to think he is Christ. And at that point, boom, they become Satan worshipers. That's a sad place to be right there. Following God your whole life, you had faith. You never got into reading the Word of God. Never got into seeking out that knowledge of God that He asked us to do. And then now all of a sudden, you're worshiping Satan, thinking He is God. Verse 10. I have seen a horrible thing in the house of Israel. There is the whoredom of Ephraim. Israel is defiled. Now, Ephraim was one that whenever the the tribe split, they set up two golden calves in the northern uh, in the northern ten tribes because Jeroboam didn't want the people to come to Jeru- to to yeah Jerusalem to the temple and worship God at Passover, at Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks, and at the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkoth. Those were the three festive days, the three holy days that God ordained. Now, they come up with a whole bunch of other ones, but those are the only three that God put into to circulation or whatever. He, he ordained those. So instead of Jeroboam risking that the ten northern tribes that he was king over would go to the temple and see how good Jerusalem looked and think, yeah, maybe we should go back here. He said, you don't need to go down here. Look here. Look at these calves. You remember old Aaron, he, he uh, obviously something was going on because Aaron b- built one of these. So instead of going way down there, why don't you just come right over here and worship this calf? Verse 11. Also, O Judah, he had set and harvest for thee when I returned the captivity of my people. So what he's saying is, there's this time of judgment coming. When he returned the captivity of his people, eventually there's going to be a judgment. And what is this captivity? You've got to look forward spiritually. Spiritually, the world is going to be captivated by the Antichrist. They're going to think, that's why Christ can come in as a thief in the night. Because they're going to think that Satan, as the Antichrist, is Christ. And they're going to be captivated by him. He can snap his fingers and lightning come down from heaven. And, you know, you look around at a celebrity these days, the way people throw themselves at celebrities. What are they going to do whenever somebody can do that and work miracles in the sight of men? It's not going to be just him. He's going to have a locust army also. That locust army being those that his little minions 
that run out all through the world, his false priests. Just as we read right there, Gilead, this city of priests, is polluted. Satan has a band of priests also that will come with him. And it's, you've got to search out this knowledge of God and sharpen up. All right, chapter 7, verse 1. When I would have healed Israel, then the iniquity of Ephraim was discovered and the wickedness of Samaria. So he, he was going to, you know, he was going to help them out, but then all of a sudden they turned and they went to worshiping these calves. They were getting out of, they were escaping Rehoboam, which is Solomon's son. He was very oppressive, and that's why they split. And God thought, hey, you know, you got away from that. Let me help you out. Boom, they started worshiping calves. Talk about a slap in the face. And they commit, for they commit falsehood, and the thief cometh in, and the troop of robbers spoileth without. All these false idols. And they consider not in their hearts that I remember all their wickedness. Now their own doings have beset them about. They are before my face. You know, when we repent, we ask God for forgiveness. He don't remember that. Once you repent, he wipes your slate clean. And the thing about it is when you repent and ask for forgiveness, don't bring it up to him anymore because he's forgotten about it. And if it, you're going to remember it. That's the thing. You're going to remember it. That's where wisdom comes in. That way you don't do that thing the next time, whatever it may be. But just because you remember it don't mean you're not forgiven for it. You've got to forgive yourself also. And know that God has forgiven you. Because if you bring it up to him again, it's like saying, hey, I know you said you would forgive me. But I don't really think you did. Even though you promised it. And I know, you know. I know you can't break promises, but I still, I still feel kind of bad for it. So obviously you hadn't forgiven me. That's not the case. It's we have a hard time forgiving ourselves. Verse 3, they make the king glad with their wickedness and the princes with their lies. Look at that small k in king and the small p in princes. This is not God, the king of kings and lord of lords, the prince of peace. This is that wicked king. The, the, the prince of the air that's running the world right now with all the wickedness that's in it. He's just tickled. You know, some people say, well, why would, why would Satan even, you know, try to come down here? God's all-powerful. Look around the world today. Satan's pretty good. He's got a, a handbasket full of a whole lot of folks who think they're doing great, but they're not in this word. They're going against God. As he said with Paul, you're kicking against the pricks. The pricks being the, the layout, basically. How the, the, the plan of God. Verse 4, They are all adulterers, as an oven heateth by the baker, who seeth this, who seeth, mm, who seeth this, seeth, <laughs> all right, who ceases from raising after he has kneaded the dough until it be leaden, lay, uh, leavened. So turn from God, and they quit growing, right? 
you know, a, a baker will, will knead some dough up, you know, to put the, the leaven in it, the yeast in it, and they'll set it aside and it'll grow and grow and grow and grow, and then you bake it. But if you sit there and you, you just throw it in there and you knead it up real quick and throw it in the heat, it's not going to have that time to grow. And that's what he's saying, that they're like that dough. They learned a little bit, they got formed, but then they turned their back on God and never grew into it. In the day of our king, the princes have made him sick with bottles of wine. He stretched out his hands with scorners. For they have made ready their heart like an oven, whilst they lie in wait. Their baker sleepeth all night. In the morning it burneth as a flaming fire. All right, so this verse needs a little help. Where it says their baker sleepeth, there's a very close resemblance uh, in the Hebrew in ayin and alif. And sometimes they get, they get messed up. Now there's a, a text called the Maseratic text. And what it is is kind of whenever the scribes were writing this, they made notes and basically said this letter's here, this letter's here, and just kind of laid it out so that whenever it was uh, translated or whenever it was transposed or copied, then you would know what would go where. Every once in a while, some things slip through the cracks, and this is one of them. That baker sleepeth all night should be translated, their anger smokes all night. And in the morning it burneth, burneth as a flaming fire. They are all hot as an oven, and have devoured their judges. All their kings are fallen, and there is none among them that calleth unto me. They have gone so far out here. They have become so wicked that they are burning like a flaming furnace. And they have turned their back on everything, even God. All the while, it's a city of priests, right? It looks so holy. It's got to be good, but it's false doctrine. Verse 8, Ephraim, he hath mixed himself among the people. Ephraim is a cake not turned. What is this cake not turned? So you think, uh, let's just break it down to nowadays. You got a pancake and, you know, you cook one side of it and you know it's getting good because the bubbles are coming through, you know, and it's time to flip it. And it's got that nice golden brown. Whenever you flip it, you know, it'll fully cook. What this is, is it didn't, it didn't flip. You got raw dough on the top and it's cooked on the bottom. I mean, it's only halfway done. And you can't eat that. I mean, you could eat it, but it'd be pretty rough. Verse 9, strangers have devoured his strength. These strangers, what are these strangers? It's outsiders. It's those that come in and have this new doctrine. Oh, I got the, I, oh, y'all hadn't heard? There's this new word out there. We got we to gotta push this new thing. You know, the old church is boring. The word of God, you can't read it verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. That's boring. When all the while, if you really get into it, it's exciting. But no, we got to go. We got to chase the new. Where to go here? Oh, these, yeah, the strangers. <laughs> all right, verse nine. Strangers have devoured his strength, and he knoweth it not. Yet gray hairs are here and there upon him. Yet he knoweth not. He should be wise. That's what it's saying there. Those gray hairs are commonly signs of wisdom. He should be wise, but he don't know. He's unlearned. 
Verse 10, And the pride of Israel testifieth to his face, and they do not return to the Lord their God, nor seek him for all this. He's basically saying, hey, just turn to me. And they're so hard-headed that they won't do it. They're so captivated by all the nonsense, all the falseness, that they don't even know to turn their back to him, um, to, to, to turn back to him. Because they think they are turned to him. Verse 11, Ephraim also is like a silly dove without heart. They call to Egypt and they go to Assyria. Instead of calling on God, they're calling on these other countries to help them out. They're going down to Egypt, who will always be a base nation, and say, hey, you know, this is going on. We need some help over here. Instead of praying to God. Well, no, they got their little calves out there and they're doing their little ceremonies. Verse 12, when they shall go, I will spread my net upon them and I will bring them down as the fowls of heaven. I will chastise them as their congregation hath heard. Where did the congregation hear this? Leviticus chapter 26. We start about verse 14 and go on. And it's, if you don't follow God, this is what happens. Matter of fact, let's turn over there right quick. Leviticus chapter 26. The book of the law. Leviticus chapter 26, verse 14. But if ye will not hearken unto me, is God speaking, and will not do all these things. Verse 15. And if ye shall despise my statutes, or if your soul abhorred my judgments, so that ye will not do my commandments, but that you break my covenant. If you go out here just willy-nilly doing whatever, doing what feels right, but you don't know the statutes, and you're getting away from the covenant, then what happens? Verse 16, I, will, I also will do this unto you. I will even appoint over you terror, consumption, and the burning... I don't know how to say that word. The burning ague... <laughs> that shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of heart, and ye shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. And I will set my face against you, and ye shall be slain before your enemies. They shall hate you, and ye shall reign, and, and shall reign over you. And ye shall flee when none pursueth you. And if you will not yet for all this hearken unto me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. And I will break the pride of your power, and I will make your heaven as iron, no rain, and your earth as brass, can't grow nothing. And your strength shall be spent in vain, and your land shall not yield her increase, neither shall the trees of the land yield their fruits. And if you walk contrary unto me and will not hearken unto me, I will bring seven times more plagues upon you according to your sins. I will also send wild beasts among you, which shall rob you of your children and destroy your cattle and make you few in number, and your highways shall be desolate. Now, these wild beasts, let's not just look physically on this, spiritually. You've got these wild beasts that are going out here that are diluting your children's minds. 
all this, all this propaganda and everything that's in the world today, destroying the innocence of children. Verse 23, and if ye will not be reformed by me, by, by me, by these things, but will walk contrary unto me, then will I also walk contrary unto you and will punish you yet seven times for your sins. It's a bad thing to have God walk contrary to you. Verse 25, and I will bring a sword upon you. What is that sword? The sword of the Lord. This word that shall avenge the quarrel of my covenant. And when you are gathered together within your cities, I will send the pestilence among you, and you shall be delivered into the hand of the enemy. That pestilence, that being that locust army, that's going to captivate everybody. They're going to woo everybody into following the Antichrist. And when I have broken the staff of your bread, ten women shall bake your bread in one oven, and they shall deliver you your bread again by weight. And you shall eat and not be satisfied. He'll cause a famine. And if you will not for all this hearken unto me, but walk contrary unto me, then I will walk contrary unto you also in fury. Now he's mad. And I, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sins, and you shall eat the flesh of your sons, and the flesh of your daughters shall you eat. And I will destroy your high places, and cut down your images, and cast your carcass upon the carcasses of your idols, and my soul shall abhor you. And I will make your cities waste and bring your sanctuaries unto desolation, and I will not smell the savor of your sweet odors. And I will bring the land into desolation, and your enemies, which dwell therein, shall be astonished at it. And I will scatter you among the heathen, and I will draw you uh, and, and will draw out a sword after you, and your land shall be desolate and your cities waste. Then shall the land enjoy her Sabbaths because they're gone. All the idolatry is gone. You know, creation groans for the returning of the Lord because of all the idolatrous acts that are going on that man is doing. As long as it lieth desolate and ye be in your enemy's land, even then shall the land rest and, and enjoy her Sabbaths. As long as it lieth desolate, it shall rest, because it did not rest in your Sabbaths. Whose Sabbaths? Not God's. In those fake Sabbaths. Those pagan festivals. When you dwelt upon it. And upon them that are left alive of you, I will send a faintness into their hearts in the lands of their enemies. And the sound of the shaking leaf shall chase them. And they shall flee as fleeing from a sword, and they shall fall when none pursueth. And they shall fall one upon another, as it were before a sword, when none pursueth. And ye shall have no power to stand before your enemies, and ye shall perish among the heathen. And the land of your enemies shall eat you up, and they that are left of you shall pine away in their iniquity in your enemies' lands, and also in the iniquities of their fathers shall they pine away with them. Take all that spiritually. All the punishments. All the running away. The carcasses. Spiritually. You turn from God and fall into idolatry. You're spiritually dead. That's a sad place to be. All right. We'll, we'll pick this up 
in verse 13 in the next study. God bless y'all. You have a great day. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions that you'd like answered on the podcast, you can write to us at Humans Under Grace, P.O. Box 1467, Tatum, Texas, 75691, or you can email us at questions at humansundergrace.com. Thank you, and God bless you.